Asalaamu Alaikum and welcome to the Drive Time Show live on a Wednesday the 15th of February 2023. Yes, already a month and a half has gone and it's 2023. Dr Saab, who's my co-host, how does time fly so quickly? I have no idea, really. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking as if, you know, we just started this, uh, you know, Voice of Islam uh, uh, it looks like a few months ago. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and actually, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think we were celebrating not so long ago seven years of Voice of Islam yeah, uh, yeah, radio yeah. since we started back in the day. And ever since then, this radio station has grown exponentially all over the world. And we have some fantastic guests that join us consistently. And we have many, which I will t- uh, explain to you who they are, who they are in the uh, short moment. So, but I just wanted to say, well, welcome to the Drive Time Show and thank you for joining us and thank you to all of those regular listeners who know the Drive Time Show is from four till six and sometimes we have a, a, two shows in the hour or sometimes we have one show over the, the, the two hours. So anyway, the two subjects that we're talking about today is the two very serious subjects in their own right and they really do kind of coincide with one another because the first hour that we were talking on the show about from four to five is childhood cancer and you know it's an extremely difficult scenario for those whose whose parents have had been told about their children have cancer and it's how do they deal with it it's extremely heart-rendering but you know we will discuss that this sensitive subject and also on the other side, I did say I had a link. Another subject we're talking about is the Holy Grant, the preservation of it and its authenticity. And it is born out of something that took place and uh, that happened, the burning of the Quran some time ago um, in Switzerland. So that's kind of explained why we feel that this is an important subject today. I so think more recently, there was some incidents in Sweden. As yeah, well. in yeah. Sweden, ex- exactly right. And that's what we're going to... Um, actually, you're right. So uh, what I meant to say, was Sweden, not Switzerland. So all the Nordic, Nordic regions kind of, you know, <laughs> the same in, in, in so many respects. But you're right, um, it's Sweden. Thank you for that uh, correction there, Dr. Sub. So, right, let, let's um, get straight into this subject. And also I did say to you that we'll be talking to some of our esteemed guests that join us regularly on the show. And we will be talking to a child's cancer uh, representative of a fund known as the Lennox and we'll be talking to Sulian uh, Turner looking well, uh, looking forward to speaking to him and, th- and then we'll be talking to Carl Quirius and we will talk to him who's the director of childhood cancer on this subject but in the second hour when we're talking about the our topic of preservation and authenticity we'll be talking to Farhan Iqbal who's the missionary of the Ahmadi Muslim community in Canada and also Rahman Khalid who is another missionary but in Ireland and so we look forward to speaking to them so Dr. this subject is obviously very close to you as well being a doctor and also having very experienced and, and done so much in this field and and we always talk, when we, we're on the show together, I always admire the work of the doctors, what they did during COVID and what they're doing now and, and how this this situation of the NHS has been enforced on the NHS 
doctors, nurses, now junior doctors, and all the people are, um, by the current situation for they having to have a voice and they're having to strike. Um, and we're not going to get into political, but it's a case of recognising that the work that the NHS staff do, keeping us safe, calm and uh, and, and protected in these situations. So, and cancer childhood is one of those things. They they do such extreme, fantastic work in that, right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. It's it's not an easy job. Yeah, uh, cancer anyway is uh, you know one of the things which you know when when one hears it, it can be very hurtful. Um, not only. Uh, particularly if you are talking about the children, um, it's, it's not the child only who suffers. Yeah. It's the whole family, anybody around around that person who would be more uh, involved and more uh, affected by by the diagnosis, by the anxiety, by the particularly the uncertainty you have because uh, you know the the cancers uh, they are not all the same. They, they can be very different. Yeah. It can be a very bad news. It can be a very aggressive cancer just within a few days, yeah. you know, one goes. But then there are others which are very slow-growing, slow, slowly progressive. Yeah. And in that, you you are in between hope and, you know, and 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 sort of uh, uh, disappointment. You, yeah. you are in between all the time, and particularly the parents. Yeah. They are in a position where... Um, you know, all the time they are they're fully involved into it. This is um, uh, uh, nature has given that association of child with the parents, mm. uh, and it is such an association yeah. where you are you are willing to sacrifice anything yeah. for your child. Right. Uh, but but then there is a limit what you can do, and yeah. you have got, you know, you have to be uh, you have to to submit to, to, to the creator, to God Almighty, who has created you and in such circumstances. And there are various questions raised at that point that, you know, why me, you know, why why am I suffering? And particularly in the field of cancer, what's mm. wrong, what, what wrong has this child done? Yeah. So these, these questions, so we'll be discussing these, yeah. uh, you know, answers to these questions as well. Yeah, I, I really like that. That's a very important question that we will delve into in a lot of detail because I think it's really important, especially when you look at the world around us. You see there are things that are so perfect that work absolutely brilliantly. Look at the weather system that we have, although it doesn't, although it creates lots of problems for (laughs) us, but when you look at it, the system is perfect. Absolutely. Absolutely. There are so many other things where the seas, the two different seas, they don't cross. There's a reason behind it. Why certain animals give us nourishment and food and, and the system of all of that, but there are things like we mentioned earlier in this subject today, there are things that when we get ill and there are no cures. I mean, if you imagine at, at the end of the First World War, how did we even survive the pain at that time? You know, if you broke your arm, how did you know where you broke your arm? Obviously, we invented the x-ray machine, right? Yeah. So. And I think that's kind of a way of understanding this suffering that we're talking about with cancer. Eventually, out of, I think, what, more than 120 types of cancers, we found cures for them, right? We've had to go through a, a process to learn about them. Yeah, absolutely. There are, there are certain types of cancers which we, we do have um, a nearly normal lifespan now, even after diagnosis, and that is because of the 
treatment, the availability of, uh, the, first of all, the diagnosis, um, then you, you are able to uh, sort of access the um, staging at what stage yeah. one is and then what sort of treatment is required. And because of the availability, particularly um, you know, in certain countries, they, we have got the facility, and we are lucky that we are living mm. in here in the United Kingdom that we have got lots of facilities where certain types of cons- cancers, um, uh, 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 a few to mention, maybe yep. the blood cancer, some yeah. of the blood cancers, they are quite treatable, and and you have a near normal lifespan after the diagnosis. Similarly, breast cancer, uh, early diagnosis. Mm. You have near near normal uh, lifespan after that, uh, uh, whereas uh, you know a few years back, if we go, it was uh, like a um, you know sign, uh, call for death. Basically, mm-hmm. it was a, like a death sentence yeah. if somebody told that you had a cancer. And, and when you talk about this death sentence, we know that cancer for children is the leading cause of death, right? Especially in adolescents. Um, yes, of course. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, if we just look at the, the you know the causes of the yeah. death in in children, then it is one of the leading causes. And uh, um, of course, there have been some progress in in um, you know getting um, the treatment and getting yeah. the and and the biggest and I think the most important thing where the doctors and, and the whole team uh, is involved is. To um, uh, to alleviate the symptoms, the suffering of the yeah. both the children and the uh, yeah. those who are uh, the dear ones, who are associated with yeah. that particular person. Yeah. So so and, and that is that is very very important because otherwise it has got a as we mentioned earlier is very very devastating yeah. effect on on the family on on the child on even the carer on the, on those who are watching. This child, um, they they do have that that, that an effect, um, and and um, uh, as you're aware that we today in particular we are uh, we have put this subject because today is the International Childhood Cancer Day where there is the awareness of the childhood cancer mm-hmm. and uh, uh, just to support the children and the families um, uh, you know who are living with the cancer and and their constantly um, on a fight with this uh, uh, this diagnosis yeah. and, and 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 thanks for saying saying that as well you're right uh, today is that particular day but also what we want to talk about is kind of like how the islamic belief helps in coping with this suffering and and how we can alleviate that and how it makes life easier what what i wanted to do was ask you if you didn't mind dr Ab, to Start and let's take a moment and look at the um, fifth condition of our initiation um, into being uh, a Muslim and in particular being an Ahmadi Muslim um, and of into the fold of the Ahmadi Muslim community. I was wondering if you could just share that with us because that kind of helps us understand this very difficult subject. See, Islam uh, prepares you um, right from the beginning. Yeah. And when you, you know, when you enter Islam, when you read uh, the Holy Quran, the Holy Quran mentions um, in one of the verses that, that you will be subjected to suffering and the various types of sufferings have been mentioned and uh, you should be... Um, you should be prepared for that, and uh, you should tolerate it. You should bear with it, with mm. to- with patience and with prayers. That is the teachings of the Holy Quran. So, in accordance with that, when you uh, when you take an oath of allegiance um, to the 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 promised Messiah, the uh, 
um, the uh, Imam of the time, um, uh, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed of Qadian, who, who claimed to be the Messiah and Imam Mahdi. So he had put ten, ten conditions um, uh, in this oath of allegiance. And the fifth condition, um, it says, and I quote, that he or she shall remain faithful to God in all circumstances of life, in sorrow and in happiness, in adversity and in prosperity, in felicity and in trial, and that he or she shall in all conditions remain resigned to the decree of God and keep himself or herself ready to face all kinds of indignities and sufferings in his way and shall never turn away from him at the onslaught of any misfortune. On the contrary, he or she shall march forward. Yeah. So here it is uh, mentioned about the relationship of man with God, that he is completely, he totally submit himself to the will of God. So whatever whatever circumstances he has been exposed to or he has been born into, yeah. he is totally uh, willingly, he's happy with that. And he is, uh, you know, he, he tolerates it for the sake of the player of God, because God Almighty has given him he he understands the um the circumstances he has been given is for some good for him yeah. and 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 that is what needs to be understood because those who people who those who understand that they would mm. they would be um sort of content and they will be happy uh, otherwise it becomes difficult and and you become anxious and you all all the time you are asking questions yeah no it's a very valid point there and I, and i think it's very well explained and we'll delve into that more detail cuz i've got some kind of questions i want to pick your brains on about this subject as well but we all know what cancer is almost everyone has heard of what cancer is and it's good bad and many people thought that you know when you got cancer many years ago well that was it but we've had so much progression we'll delve into that even more detail but before that we wanted to speak to our first guest who who has joined us today and I'd like to invite Sally Ann Turner who is a representative of the Children's Cancer Fund of uh, Lennox. Lennox. Lennox so welcome to the Drive Time Show thank you very much for joining us Sally Ann thank you very much yes a good evening to you and oh, um, this is actually a very apt day for asking me along from Lennox Children's Cancer Fund because today, 15th of February, is in fact International Childhood Cancer Day. Yeah. That's right, and if and we, um, uh, Dr. Bajwa, who's with us today, he did say in in the introduction that this is one of the reasons why we are raising the awareness, and it's awesome that you have managed to spend some time with us today and talk about this subject, so we can raise the awareness to all of our listeners in the UK and around the world. Well, I wanted to start by asking you a brief background to your organisation and what are its aims. Absolutely. Well, we actually celebrated our 30-year anniversary last year. And year on year, we've built on our very strong foundations and increased the services we can provide to our families. Um, The support available includes our 24-hour family support team who are there with advice and a listening ear 24-7. Um, this support is, we spread the net wider because the devastation that the diagnosis of cancer creates affects more than just the immediate patient and the parents. Mm. So Lennox 
also includes the siblings and the grandparents in the list of relatives welcomed for that service. I mean, what are some of the main similarities and the differences between the various forms of cancer? Because I think we mentioned earlier that there are nearly over 120 cancers, but some are related to the blood, some are various others. But I guess there are some similarities in terms of the work that you're doing. Um, Obviously, we are um, not medically qualified in any way, speaking personally on that. Although I am writing um, on the different forms of cancer at the moment, and uh, particularly in the symptoms, there are definite similarities. And unfortunately, those symptoms um, can be mistaken for um, just normal childhood illnesses and viral infections. So that's why we like to try and spread awareness of their symptoms because then diagnosis is much quicker and then the survival rates and the treatments are much milder. Hmm. Um, Shalian, you you know, not only the child who is suffering from cancer, he suffers himself, but it's it's more like the families who suffer as well. So how uh, has that, that been impacted by your support Uh, Well, one of the things that we are very lucky to have is um, two holiday homes. Um, I mentioned that previously, um, but the valuable and vital time spent there as a family together, which is often impossible when normal family life no longer exists due to hospital stays, isolation and the side effects from the gruelling treatments that the child cancer patient has to endure. So that time spent together uh, as a family is very rewarding. Um, We also do things individually for the children. We mark celebrations with gifts, in most cases for the immediate cancer patient and their siblings. And um, we also um, fund professional counselling by way Mm. of our mental wellbeing, crisis grants. And in general, we try to provide holistic care to address any issues our families may face during their very personal cancer treatment journey. Okay, that's fantastic. Uh, There's been some difficult stages that uh, your organisation has been providing support because obviously it's a a cancer fund. Um, How do you raise money and when you raise the money, what what sort of work, how how can it help when, when people donate to your organisation? Well, just recently, like many others, Mm. um, the impact from the pandemic affected us as a charity greatly because the success of events and fundraising is solely based on people getting together, which is exactly the actions that were not allowed for nearly two years. Mm. These collaborations are crucial to raise funds to continue our work. Um, In the present, of course, we are reeling from the knockback effect due to the increase in the cost of living for everyone. Energy, petrol prices, working from home, reducing the workforce and redundancies, all of these lessen the pennies in the public's pockets. Um, This also affects bigger corporate businesses. Um, Many organisations faltered and, and in some cases closed for good. So as much as they would love to support and donate to a charity such as Lennox Children's Cancer Fund, they're not financially viable. 
In fact, we had to halt our crisis grants for a length of time last year because our funds had drastically... Uh, right, Sally. And uh, of course, you are, you are doing a great job, you yeah, know, the, that supporting these uh, families. Well, one question I just wanted to ask was that, do you face any challenges when you are dealing with the families of these children who are suffering from cancer? Um, I think I think they really are facing their own head on. As I mentioned before, every cancer journey is personal to them. Mm. We can only do all that we can as a charity. We supply. We, we are very concerned with their mental well-being as well as the physical um, upset that's caused by cancer. So we provide therapy boxes um, with sensory items, cameras, scrapbooks, so that not only for themselves, but sometimes as a sibling who has, has lost a brother or sister, um, these these items are very useful. They can make memory boxes. Um, we recently also have done an amazing scheme of providing backpacks to many hospitals. These backpacks are given out to every newly diagnosed child with cancer. They are certainly in our local hospitals. And they contain everything that is needed um, for an, well, they say an overnight stay, but sometimes that can graduate into one or two weeks. And yeah. it has everything for the parent carer or the child in there. This is our own innovative idea, yeah. and they are working very successfully. Brilliant. And we hope that you'll continue to have some great innovative ideas to make your organisation more successful. And it's great that you're doing this work. And we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And thank you very much, Sally Ann, for joining us today. Thank you for giving us the time today to spread the word. Thank you. Yeah, you're most welcome. So that was um, Sally Ann Turner, representative of the Lennox Children Cancer Fund, and you can see the amazing work that they are, they are doing. So thank you very much uh, for that. Doug Sub, I wanted to ask you, uh, not everyone actually understands what cancer is. There's a science behind it, right? There is, there's more stuff about cancer itself, what it means in terms of, you know, when... The cancer, it starts in our own bodies, doesn't it, as, as cells? Yeah, the thing is, uh, yeah, it, it, is, it is very interesting when you go, go on yeah. to the, you know, the path, it's called pathogenesis. What it means is that how does it happen? Yeah. Or, you know, what, what, what goes wrong? So the thing is that uh, if we look at the normal physiology, the normal functioning um, of the body, human mm. body, for, for that matter, any body, animal body as well, that all the time there's a wear and tear going on and there is a repair uh, process going on. So if you get a scratch on your skin, even your normal skin without any scratch, it, it, your, um, uh, you know, the, the lining which the skin has, it, it is replaced, you know, uh, very frequently, every day, many times a day your cells are being replaced and the new cells are being mm. you know, you're taking over. So similarly is the gut inside as well. All the linings, wherever the linings are, these cells are going away and the new are taking place on its place. Now, um, the, the question arises that when the repair takes place, you know, um, it only goes up to the repair when to the, that extent where the damage has been done. It doesn't go beyond that. Because if continues, if it continues to grow, 
then you know there is no limit then then it is overgrowth so whenever there is an overgrowth which is uncontrolled so in other words what we say is that when you uh, when you sort of disagree or you um, go out of control of uh, the the rules and regulations that the normal rule is that after when you have completed your job you stop growing yeah. but if you keep on growing so you disobey um or, or uh, uh, in a way that you break the rules so it it does have a certain resemblance to satan you know if we are talking about in the islamic terms yeah. that satan was the one who disobeyed and uh, uh, the, he he uh, refused to obey the normal rules so wherever the body uh, sort of disobeys the, the normal rules and continues to grow um somewhere sometimes a lump is formed there sometimes it's not necessary sometimes the there will be increased number of cells beyond limit uh, so what they do is that they start taking over the normal cells so they are usurping the rights of the others right the other yeah. normal cells so when they are taking everything grabbing everything for themselves mm. then obviously their greed is much more than the normal cells so they would not let the normal cells survive so so it'll be affecting the other normal body yeah. so that that is what is sort of uh, yeah. in a in a broad term yeah it's a really good way of explaining explaining it because it's it's things people behaving badly cells behaving badly and that's what the cells when people refer to as lumps right but yeah. you, you hear this word you have a lump and sometimes these lumps are then called tumors and it's 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 the tumor that is the is the cancer yeah, yeah t- tumor is a, is a, is a like a, it, it can be called a misnomer as well but but it is not a equivalent to cancer because yeah. every tumor uh, is not cancer that's right it can be benign uh, as uh, yeah, well it can yeah. be benign tumors mm. benign lumps there are lots of lumps so tumor means a lump lump of cells but uh, if it if it is uh, controlled or it can be controlled then then it is benign if it is it does not and it spreads out through the various uh, fluids for example through blood through lymphatic system it grow goes to the other parts so wherever it is growing um, initially it is called the primary tumor or primary cancer and when it goes to another place that is called a secondary tumor or for example if you have a, a tumor somewhere in the leg and it it uh, uh, is transferred through your blood into your lymphatics for mm. example you know you have got the, the certain um tissues or the nodes within yeah. your axilla within your groin if it reaches them or there are other lymph nodes then it's called the, the secondary that is it has spread to the other organ so the uh, the, uh, the staging of cancer yeah. depends on that whether it has been spread or it is localized because yeah. the localized tumors are obviously easier to treat yeah. easier to to be focused to be treated yeah Yeah, yeah, and that's when I talk about stage one, stage two, yeah, stage so three, etc. Et, et, et yeah. And then that, they're the things you don't want to hear. Well, anyway, uh, if you are tuning into this uh, program today and we're wondering why we're talking about cancer, pretty depressing subject, but we're trying to, you know, give some feedback and highlight of opportunity of, of other stuff that goes on as well and how you can cure it. it. It is because it's the International Childhood Cancer Day, and and this is we are trying to raise the awareness uh, by talking about. 
about it. And it's a day that is globally uh, on a collaborative basis put together to be able to raise the awareness on on, on this. And, and it was started in 2002 by a Childhood Cancer International, which... Uh, consists of parents' organisation in 90 countries. Because we mentioned earlier about uh, when you talk about uh, the patient uh, who is suffering from cancer, it's not only them as well, it's their siblings, it's their families, and it's their parents as well. So this organisation brought all that together, which uh, is brilliant. And and this is the second year of their three-year campaign for International Childhood Cancer Day um, between 2021 and 2023. And the theme that they are pushing through is better survival and it's achievable. And they're running this hashtag if you want to add it it's called through their hands so we do whatever we can to raise the awareness of this uh, day as well and um, but what what we want to also talk about is that it is really important to educate the public about the potential causes and the risks factors of this disease and the, and what we want to try and do is that by raising the awareness maybe we can do things to try and make things less harmful to our bodies, as, as Dr. Sub said, we get the cells in our body not to misbehave, for example. Right. Don't overeat. Don't, you know, we, we, many people talk about smoking as one of those habits that oh, uh, have been attributed to potential cause of cancer. And and so there is all of this stuff that goes on. In yeah, because car. smoking is one thing where, you know, the, the children who are around you in the yeah. atmosphere, in the environment where you are smoking, maybe you are not intentionally damaging or, or you, you say that, oh, it is only me, myself, Myself, uh, I'm I'm damaging, but the environment in which you are smoking, obviously, it is something which which is precancerous and it can it can cause many of the cancer. But one more important, which is yeah. important thing, which is um, uh, associated with the awareness that it is the awareness of the symptoms, that, so that you can diagnose it early. Yeah. So there are certain symptoms if you get and you are aware that this could be because of a, a cancer, a particular type of cancer and you are aware that in, in children this is happening, and then um, uh, you, you get an um, early access to, to, to the medical people uh, so that it can be diagnosed early. It can be investigated, it can be diagnosed, because there are some things which are happening in, in children which should not be taken lightly, and, uh, and um, so, so an early access to, to, to the medical team, I think, sometimes can... Uh, help to diagnose it early, and if the diagnosis is early, you are you catch it early, and if you catch it early, you are in the earlier stages of cancer, which can be which is much more uh, the prognosis is much better if it is diagnosed early in the early stages, because if it has spread, then uh, you yeah. know uh, you you can't do much about it uh, yeah. if, if it is that stage. No, you're you're, exa- you're exactly right. And one of the um, like I said earlier as well, the ultimate aim for the International Childhood Cancer Day is this one unified message, and it's a better access to care for children and adolescents with cancer everywhere. So hopefully, we you know we we, we manage to try and push this through and raise the awareness. We will be at some point talking to 
Carl Curious, uh, who's the Executive Director of Childhood Cancer International, to get more information about this. But I also wanted to say this one thing about um, Humanity First International. Uh, they had the conference in 2021, and at that time they were addressed by the worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Masoor Ahmad, may Allah be his helper. And he stated at that conference um, of Humanity First International, as we know it's an organisation that helps people around the world. You've probably heard Humanity First mentioned so many times on the Voice of Islam because we hold it very dear to the station because of the amazing work it does when it looks after people who are destitute where society have have managed to leave them alone where they are on their own so humanity first goes there and actually we know they're already in turkey as well and and on their way to syria to to help we had them on the show earlier um, in on the week but what i wanted to say was what our what the um the head of the ahmadi muslim community said has a muslim masoor ahmed malabi's helper he stated at their conference in 2021 and said that Allah, the Almighty, and his messenger, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, have instructed Muslims to seek to alleviate the pain of those who are suffering from ill health, to provide them with medical treatment, to to tenderly care for them, and to regularly inquire after their health. In this regard, the Holy Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said, whoever, whosoever visits a sick person for the sake of, of Allah, a heavenly caller will be announced, uh, and may your every step be blessed, and may you be rewarded with an abode in paradise. And not only has the Holy Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, instructed Muslims to provide relief and treatment to those who are unwell, but he has also given the glad tiding that those who make heartfelt efforts to care for the sick and be rewarded is in the hereafter. And that's one of the reasons why I personally have a very tenderness for all doctors, nurses who work in the medical field, providing care for people in the adult social care, the preemptive care, because they are traveling, working so hard. And I've always felt that we need to do more for them, especially when we um, have an opportunity and to also to be able to get involved. And and also you can donate in the International Children's Cancer Day to help those who are suffering. And, you know, we shouldn't waste any time. We should just get involved with it straight away, wherever we can, because we know even the biggest thing also treating people at hospital and all the preventative treatment, but also the social care that goes on outside of the hospital where people are also becoming elderly who can't even look after themselves, who who unable to even have family that and they don't and they're and they're elderly, a lot of the family may have passed away so they're on their own. Who then takes care of them? It is these people who are working in this field. They are completely following this statement that His Holiness explained and this glad tiding that they received that they will be rewarded in the hereafter. 
She, um, because, you know, the, the one of the purposes, one of the um, aims and the goals of the um, uh, celebrating this International Day of the Childhood Cancer is to make people aware of, uh, you know, of, of the sufferings of the, of the children and the extent. So I'll just go through some of the statistics. Yeah. It might be boring yeah, for some people, but, <laughs> but it's just to make them aware that there are f- um, estimated 400,000 children and adolescents that means between 0 to 19 years and uh, who develop cancer yeah and out of the different types of cancer the most common type in childhood they are called um, they are acute leukemias that is uh, normally called blood cancer yeah. and the cancers of the brain and the spinal cord uh, and one can easily understand that as the child is in a developmental stage that is growing is is, is uh, um, growth uh, related to growth and and cancer is related to growth because it is when the cells are dividing they are make, um, uh, they are growing so uh, you are most vulnerable in in the childhood stage when the things are being formed when you are growing so you are more likely to develop cancer at that Can particular stage. Can I ask a question stage. Ed, does that mean as you're a child and you're growing more significantly and faster does that mean cancers can be more aggressive at a childhood? Um, it's, it's not necessarily that mm. the, the cancers are more aggressive but there are certain types of cancer which behave very aggressively so there are acute cancers and there, there are other cancers mm. which are slow growing as well uh, but but there are some cancers which give you very little time mm. and, um, and and that's why it's important to recognize them as well so lymphoma is one of the cancers of the lymphatic systems uh, and uh, it starts in the lymphatic system and it has got um, again according to the type of can- type of lymphoma what type of lymphoma they are slow growing and there are very acute aggressive lymphomas as well so uh, there are muscles or bone cancer there are neuroblastoma Neuro- neuroblastoma means that the origin of the the cancer is from the nerve cell and then we got um, another name which is called a Wilms tumor. Wilms tumor is against is, is the name of the scientist who, who recognized this yeah. first. It is a kidney cancer, and then uh, also a cancer of the retina, uh, retinoblastoma. Um, retinoblast uh, is the cell which forms the retina, and the origin is from that. And obviously, if you you get that, then um, you uh, there are chances that you will get blind because of the growth, unless, you know, it is treated very early. It's, so, it's that, can I ask a question about uh, that as well? Because yeah. we mentioned about Humanity First International that travels all over the world. And one of the biggest things that they do is, like, eye operations. Yeah, and they course, yeah. try and help with the cataract, etc. But they see many people in the dusty environments of the, you know, on the sand in, let's say, West Africa, for example. Yeah. Is that also related to that, or is that something? Yeah, yeah, there, there, there are certain infections as well. Yeah. If you get, uh, you know, recurrent infections, they can lead to uh, uh, because you know the process of damage and healing it goes on. So wherever there is a repetition, um, then there are chances of cancer. For for right. example, like I can give you, which can be easily, maybe easily understood that um, in the women they go through a cycle every month. And, and there are certain changes which take place in their body um, during each cycle. So because they are recurrently going through that cycle, and that is why they are more prone to develop, like, for example, breast cancer and uh, ovarian cancer and um, endometrial cancer. These yeah. are the cancers which are because of the change which is happening all the time. So, so there, is, there is a period of repair, and then there is a period of, uh, uh, you know, uh, right. when they are being 
taken away those cells. So, so the repair ha- takes place. So wherever this process is taking place, they, the chances are that there there is development of cancer. In fact, when you look at uh, the physiology, and I, uh, as I mentioned earlier, that you yeah. will be surprised that why the incidence of cancer is so little. Why is that? It should well, should have happened more. If you if you exactly see normal right. yeah, statistics, sense, yeah. if you look, it is it is somebody who is covering that. Who is it's such a perfect uh, way that uh, this the system, the the process is being controlled. Right. That uh, you are amazed that so many little cancers right. that you can take. So, are we talking about a billion cells or trillion cells? Forming every day, uh, it, it is more than that. So there you go. That question. Why is it happening even more? In yeah, a way, yeah. Right? So yeah. that's that's why. I mean, the, the thing to be amazed is not that there is uh, cancer is happening. It is that why uh, so little cancer is ha- is yeah. is occurring in in these people because where you know you are vulnerable, you are uh, you know so so uh, the, you you are amazed that there there is a perfect control which is controlling, which is, there is a system in the body which is called autophagy. Autophage means that it is self-destruction or self. Yeah. So any cell within your body, which is which is abnormal cell, you'd say, is eaten up by your own body. There yeah. are mechanisms in your body, and, and this is also called a immune system, yeah. that any cell which is abnormal, the body will recognize and immediately Take it away, eat it away. So this is this is also a protection mechanisms which are taking place in the body, and uh, so if if you if you go out of the rules and regulations, you see what happens to you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in the introduction, we talked about how God Almighty or how or wonderful this this world is, tailored to perfection. You know, every aspect of what we look at. Now you've just described something internal to the body. I mentioned about the weather and and, and animals and the wildlife and, and nature. Yeah. But you've just explained another aspect within the within body, the, yeah. within the body within which the body is such time, a perfect yeah. system. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, uh, see, um, all, also because uh, we mentioned that if we are aware uh, that what could be the cancer symptoms, there's some of the symptoms, you know, if you are aware, then you, know, you can be more... Um, uh, sort of uh, in a position to yeah. recognize that this could be a sign of our symptom of cancer and and uh, get uh, help uh, sooner. Uh, for example, we mentioned about the kidney tumor. So if somebody who is unable to pass urine or has blood in urine, that is something which is suspicious that uh, you should take, uh, you know, uh, that should not t- be taken easy. It should be taken seriously yeah. and it should be, uh, help should be um, sought. Um, uh, if you find any unexplained lump in your body, any swelling anywhere, there is no harm. You just go to the doctor. He will not mind it to have a look at it and just either to reassure you or maybe sometimes people, you know, just wonder and um, just by postponing it, they they would, uh, they are, uh, you know, they may be anxious sometimes or maybe it is or it is not. But if you just go to the doctor, he can just either investigate or tell you straight away that then don't worry, this is not cancer, you know. Okay. Uh, so, but it's, it's important well, that... That's really good advice, yeah. you know, that, that if you do, you know, feel like... A lot of people, especially today, we think there's you can't get an appointment with the doctor, uh, the doctor's just stressed out, you, it's impossible to get an appointment, you feel that maybe we do not want to do that. But actually what you're saying is the complete opposite. Yeah, you know, the you doctors should, are there, should. they want, yeah. you know, you need to book an appointment irrespective. Yeah, yeah. yeah they would always, uh, uh, you know, like you not to sit over it, 
you know if you are worried about something do come and do 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 talk to your doctor I means yeah. uh, um uh, one more thing is if somebody have has unexplained scissors sometimes you know you get a, 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 a attack of fits um a headache which is not going away you should uh, you know not give it a long time before you uh, consult your doctor about it um then if you see somebody having uh, unusual br- bruising on the, on the body the spots the red spots unusual spots then you should also <laughs> be concerned about it and and seek help so um um it's it's better yeah. to 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 seek help rather than you know uh, being sorry later on that you you, sh- you could have gone or you should have seen the doctor earlier I think what you're also alluding to here is that when you know these type of symptoms, which you've explained really well, it's about identifying it early, right? The sooner you can yeah, identify sooner. something, the the more likely it is that the doctors and the medicine that's being prescribed can actually respond uh, effectively uh, with the treatment and then the chances of survival are increased uh, from cancer and it's uh, and obviously the other thing is also less expensive right if you go uh, your stage three stage four and you've left it and then you have to find a way of a remedy in today's way of fixing things and repairing the treatment is a very expensive state so the the sooner you get a, a treatment done the less expensive and also you can get on with your life and also be less stressed about something you're experiencing yeah absolutely um and that uh, um some of the blood cancer you know for they 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 are uh, you know uh, as you said that their, their prognosis is quite good you can have a near normal um survival rate after that but but you do need the treatment and uh, earlier the, is the better so um um uh, as you mentioned earlier that yeah. there are certain factors which we, we should also be aware of these are the like lifestyle factors yeah. smoking being overweight again um um not getting enough exercise exercise makes you healthy it improves your immunity uh, diet is the most one of the most important things now is is the diet and and what is healthy diet the healthy diet is 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 uh, you know there is no definition as such that what is a healthy diet but healthy diet is that you eat what you require okay so uh, with the development of the uh, everything everything has progressed and we have Uh, at one stage we are trying to concentrate everything so that we can get in and the smallest stuff we get the the maximum number of nutrients the maximum number of uh, uh, calories and uh, and um, uh, so so you you try to get extract and get the concentrated form and that's what you you have done your your medication they have done the same uh because the the raw sort of medication they have they've taken out the extracts and that now you just get that active ingredient rather than the whole thing but um, the latest they have come come out with the conclusion that actually the whole thing had a certain um, remedies for the side effects of the things which it contained as well so if you take it as a whole it will be more beneficial for you because uh, because it will give you less side effects right so uh, same thing is happening that with with the progress of the the diet industry now they have they formed into more like a uh, processed foods we have yeah. got availability of that um, particularly the carbohydrates the percentage of carbohydrates has increased because of the concentrated form of carbohydrates which are available in the form of sweets in the form of yeah. all types of you know the, the fizzy drinks and everything so 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 the best thing with a healthy diet is that where you should control your carbohydrates because you carbohydrates give you energy 
And if you are taking energy in, you have to burn that. If you're not able to burn that, if you're not doing enough exercise, um, it is going to deposit on your body yep. in the form of fat. So which you do not want. So so that that is very simple. Yeah. And uh, you know, generally in the society we are living in, of course, alcohol is a major major problem, yeah. which causes actually directly, which causes many types of cancer as well. Yeah. Causes cirrhosis of liver, which can lead to cancer as well. So um, there are certain things which are directly um, uh, so associated with certain forms of cancer. So one should be aware of that and and avoid that. So healthy diet, exercise, these are the most important things today. If you can help you. Yourself. Um, don't be lazy. Don't be sitting down t- uh, long times. Sedentary lifestyle is is a killer. Yeah. So, um, so you're right, especially with people can sit and watch sit on a couch and watch. Uh, um, a series for days and days. And I know your mobile phone. You know, you know all the yeah. time. You you know you you are screening and and you don't know how many how many hours you have been sitting just uh, there. Yeah. Yes. And, and people have certain jobs as well, which create that you know long haulage drivers, train drivers. All these things are you know <laughs> if you're aware of it and you can think like you you've explained and you can do that, then, then that's also okay. Because one of the things that we believe, like in Islam, the most powerful tool to overcome any sort of hardship. We're talking about. A hardship here, you know, if you are diagnosed with cancer, and we're obviously talking about cancer in, in children, we're, we're celebrating today as the International Childhood Cancer. And But also, even in that moment, um, it, it does say in the Holy Quran, in chapter 2, verse 154, it says, O ye who believe, seek the help with patience and prayer. Surely Allah is with steadfast. Now, when you when you look at this, many people think that I've heard some bad news, it's all over. But actually, if you... Sometimes people need a wake-up call in a way, not only for themselves, but for the people they learn, their friends, their brothers, their siblings, who you need to go and help and, and aid. You grew up with a, with a friend, but one of you were diagnosed with cancer, the other wasn't. What were the lifestyle changes that you did and didn't do? It also teaches you all those things as well because there is a reason why we we have this cancer. You've explained it really well. Some people don't, some people do, and some people just relapse in what they know. That's a good point you said because there are certain certain types of cancers which are genetic. Yeah. So if 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 for example the, the, uh, um, I keep on talk, talking about breast cancer because yeah. it is in your genes. If you have uh, if you have a first relative who is suffering, you Correct. have much more chance of developing that. So if you are aware of that, you can have your own um, genes tested. And you can check the probability of you having cancer and what are the steps you can take to avoid that uh, because uh, there are certain hormones which you shouldn't be taking that uh, that can that can prevent that happening if you are and uh, particularly you know when you are having uh, this um, marriages the marriages counseling if you have um, you know your partner you make sure that he is not prone to that he doesn't have that gene so that uh, the next generation doesn't yeah. suffer and and that's, it's an easy thing to do you go and contact your doctor and, and ask for this genetic test yeah. and they can, yeah, they can and then they'll ask you questions about your family history um, a, a bit of your family tree your siblings and then they can work it out and then they can because once you know you know how to prepare yourself for it yeah right but obviously genetically it's not always easy but at least you you know what you're doing right it's but some people sometimes people don't want to know 
Yeah, right? one yeah one one thing you know is just come to my mind yeah. because it's a program. The time is very limited. So, uh, one thing that you know people usually say that you know why me? Why why uh, I am suffering? Why my child is suffering? Yeah. and um, uh, why I have been chosen? If the, if there is a beneficent, a most merciful God uh, who has created us. Then uh, why he has uh, he, he, he God forbid he is so cruel that he has chosen the, my child to be suffering from this. Yeah. So this is something which arises in your your minds, but but God Almighty has answered Himself in the Holy Quran where He tells us that I have created this world to see who be, be, behaves in the best possible way. So why he has created such a method so that he can give you credit for that. He can reward you for that. And I'll give you an example that if you are given um, a test all you know to, to different people, each test is different, but the reward is also different. okay? So you are given an easy test and and you will be actually uh, questioning why have I not been given a difficult test? Because the reward is much more, you know. I'm if I'm given, getting a reward of a hundred thousand, yeah. the somebody who has been given a difficult test, he'll be rewarded like in millions. So my question will be that I will not be happy that I have been given an easy test. I will be happy that you know I will be questioning that why I have not been given yeah. that hard test because I would would have been able to get that sort of credit of uh, in millions. So this is the thing that if God Almighty has put you into trouble, and there is a hadith and it's beautiful. Um, it's a tradition of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and he has said that um, that a believer is, is does not get hurt even by a prick of a thorn that his sins are erased away, that his sins are taken away yeah. and he has he is being credited for doing something good. Although he's suffering, but in, yeah. in uh, as a reward, God Almighty is, is taking away his sins. So, uh, you, you know, if you, if you look at that uh, sort of uh, philosophy behind it, then you, you, you will always be thankful to God Almighty as creator. I think the other way to look at it, and I think it's a brilliant explanation what you've done, is so, for example, we're talking about childhood cancer today. Now, we, are, we have found cures. There are cures for our children who suffer from cancer. Now, if we didn't have the cancer originally, why would you go and sort of find a solution for the cancer? Yeah, so that's how you find out of Out of a difficulty, out of a situation where you're suffering, the point is you want to get out of that suffering. And what's going to motivate you to, to get out of that suffering? Yeah. And once you've got out of that suffering, you found a solution, you found a solution for the next person. Absolutely. Right. So, yeah, so yeah. there yeah. is a reason why we go through suffering. It's so that we can help the future generations. As I mentioned earlier, after the first world, we said about the X-ray machine. We've got things like penicillin. Yeah, absolutely. You, you've got yeah. so many other fantastic achievements that our scientists have created for the betterment of our society. If we had no suffering, for example, with this suffering of cancer, how would we have got ourselves out to go and find a cure? We've just had two years of, of COVID. We've now found a, a, a vaccine for it. Would we have been able to find a vaccine for for COVID? We, we had SARS, we had Ebola. It's carrying on. We may have another one, but at least now we've got a blueprint to solve the next situation to come. So is this a, a God that's not caring? 
No, this is a God that's safeguarding the people who, who want to find a future. And that example you gave is what, how will we make a choice at that time when we're suffering? Will we make the choice that oh, there is no benevolent God? It's all it's all wrong, bad. Or will you use it to show that, yeah, God is going to save me for the next one? And when you learn that process, it's what you mentioned earlier. That means any suffering you have, it's feedback and it's good, right? So Absolutely. I really like the way you explain that. It really made help me with the understanding as well. Look, I, there was something I wanted to read out from the Promised Messiah. Maybe we can read it out in the se- in the second hour. We've come to the end, end of the show, but I, I would do my best to try and get it done. Thank you very much uh, for staying with us. We did a very short um, jingle there because we wanted to speak to our guest that we have we're going to speak to in the first hour, but we've we've been very grateful to be able to speak with Carl Curios all the way from South Africa, or is it South Africa or South America? You can correct me, but obviously I wanted to talk to Carl because he's the executive director of Childhood Cancer International, and and thank you very much for joining us um, on the show today. Good afternoon to you and to your listeners, and thank you for having me. Oh, you're most welcome. And it's South Africa is where you're from. I wanted to ask you if you could tell us a little bit about the International Childhood Cancer Day and its importance for organisations like yourself. Yes, so um, Childhood Cancer is the international day to bring um, uh, attention to the, the cause and the issue of uh, childhood cancer globally. It's a global collaborative campaign. Uh, and so CCI, Childhood Cancer International, we have uh, 183 members across 94 countries. Yeah. So uh, we're all focusing on this, uh, this data to bring attention to the issues. I mean, what are some of the inequalities faced by cancer patients and families? I mean, we see it in so many different ways, don't we? One, due to funding, due to where they live or around the world in countries. So why is this so? Is the kind of treatments not traveling around the world? Fast enough? Yeah, look, that's a very good question. So, um, you know, the statistics, and you and you've got confirmed by the WHO site, uh, is that um, there is 80% of the incidence of childhood cancer occur in developing countries. Um, the 80% of the treatment and medication is available in, in developed countries. So, you have this uh, very unequal um, status where if a child is diagnosed and treated with cancer in a developed country, there's an 80 90% chance of recovery, and then it does respond very well to treatment. Uh, but in the developing country, you know, you're looking at a 20 30%, and it can be as low as a 15% chance of recovery. So that's one of our key yeah. goals okay. in, you know, in partnership with the WHO and others is to address that and, and bring quality. Um, so, Carl, um, how does the current inflammation crisis worldwide is affect the support you and your other organizations like yours they uh, provide for cancer patients' families in paying for treatments? Yeah, so uh, it's, it's got, in a way, it has a big impact in a way not because, um, look, the medication for cancer can vary quite a lot to, in some cases, very affordable. And in other cases, due to patents and where they're produced and so forth, in some countries it can be uh, exorbitant. So you have huge ranges of what it costs to treat in one country and another. But certainly the global inflation situation has, has exacerbated um, because in, you know, in some countries where they have to port a lot of, import a lot of the drugs and it's become very expensive. Uh, and in some countries, they don't have the 
the privilege of uh, a government that provides the medical treatment and the parents, uh, family members, something have to pay for the drugs themselves, and that's obviously put a huge burden on them. Okay, thank you. And, um, um, you know, as, as because uh, we are celebrating this day of International Childhood Cancer Day, and uh, one of the aims is to make people aware of the of the, the children cancer. Could you mention some of the early signs of cancer that we should be aware of when it comes to our children? Yes, yes, of course. Um, so, look, I think it is, uh, people often think that childhood cancer is a very rare occurrence, but it is the, the world's biggest um, killer of, in, the, in terms of non-communicable diseases. Mm. So, the signs to look out for is unusual lump or swelling, um, Unexplained paleness or loss of energy, eye bruising, uh, sorry, easy bruising or bleeding, um, sudden eye or vision changes, um, ongoing pain in one part of the body, um, and unexplained limping, ongoing limping, uh, again, unexplained fever or illness that doesn't go away, and then frequent headaches, um, often accompanied with vomiting. So, you know, as I'm explaining these, you, you, you know, they're very typical symptoms. So if they occur uh, for no apparent reason, it's not linked to an uh, injury or anything like that, mm. then you must pay particular attention to these. I mean, I wanted to just take it to a bit of a human level because we know, many of us know children who suffer with cancer. What kind of advice would you give to us as citizens to avoid the overwhelming cancer patients and further causing difficulties in their cancer journey because there are so many, mm. as we mentioned earlier, about the inequalities of cancer. We, we are very lucky uh, in, the in say, for example, in the United Kingdom, especially for breast cancer, yeah. we have these drugs which are known as wonder drugs, but I'm sure they're not available all over the world. So this journey that people are on, they're on their own journey. I mean, what kind of advice can we give for those people who are suffering from this overwhelming um, situation? Yeah, I think for the children and the teenagers that are undergoing treatment, uh, as much as possible, they don't want to be treated differently. So obviously the the illness or the treatment itself needs certain things can do, but uh, don't exclude them and include them as much as possible. So for example, in school, um, as much as they can continue school and be involved in activities, include them. Um, for the parents, really the message is that um, you don't have to do their journey alone. There are a lot of organizations um, around the world and uh, people can support you. In the UK, we have uh, two member organizations, that's uh, Childhood Cancer Parents Alliance and Solving Kids Cancer UK. Uh, so contact them. You know, There's uh, parents supporting parents. There's... Uh, and social workers and psychologists who provide services. Um, there's lots of good material to help you understand the cancer journey. So really there's a lot of resources and support available and um, yeah, you don't have to do the journey on your own. Well, thank you very much uh, for your time today and it's really glad that we managed to speak to you and I really appreciate your time that you've given us um, all the way from South Africa and we wish you the best of luck and hope and that you continue your great work. Thank you very much, Carl. Thank you for having me and bringing attention to this important cause. Thank you very much. The pleasure is all of ours. Thank you.
So that was Carl Curios, who's the Executive Director of Childhood Cancer International. It's great to get his perspective on it. And just to kind of end this subject and end this um, kind of topic that we're talking about, I wanted to end by saying something from the Promised Messiah on whom be peace, who's the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. And he explained that the subject of suffering as follows, and it just helps us to understand what we have been talking about today. Um, A true believer should not be saddened at times of tribulation. He is not greater than the prophet of God. Truth is that at times of difficulty, a fountainhead of love starts. True believer does not go through a difficulty which does not bring him thousands of kinds of pleasures. Beloveds of God Almighty do not face tribulations because of sin. Tribulations reveal accomplishments of true believers. Observe how the high morals of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, were demonstrated at painful times and in triumph. Had the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, not gone through tribulations, what could we now say about is his high morals? No doubt tribulations of true believers are seen as tribulations by others, but true believers do not deem as tribulations. It is important for a man to stay firm on his sincere repentance and realise that repentance will give him a new lease of life. And that was from Tafsir Hazrat Masiyamod, Volume 1, pages 603 to 604. And it would be remiss if we hadn't actually explained this as as an end thought on this subject and here the promised messiah on whom be peace explains the beautiful of how times of difficulty one often starts to develop a closer relationship with god almighty allah and that if you are a true believer you will not see these times as difficult sufferings. Well, thank you very much for that. We'll take a very quick short break and be back with you for the next subject. You're listening to The Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Faith in Focus, a show aired on The Voice of Islam, brings to your homes and cars an enriching hour of conversation and investigation of numerous aspects of faith in the 21st century. You're listening to The Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the Drive Time Show and thank you very much for that short break. It was a nice way to end the first subject and I thought it was really very important that we did that as well. But again, from one very important subject to another important subject and it's a question that um, is at the tip of many people's minds uh, because we see so many um, different approaches to solving this problem. What we're talking about is Holy Quran, the preservation and authenticity. And like many other religions, Islam also has a holy book. And this holy book is a question that we're asking on Instagram and asking if you want to reply back, we'll give you the results later. How often do you read the Holy Quran? Um, do you do it daily, weekly, monthly, or now and again? And we're asking that question on Instagram. Um, and if you let us know, we'll, we'll give that to you. So how often do you recite the Holy Quran daily, every few days, weekly, or less than a week? So 
if you'd, uh, we've already had some results actually, Dog Sub, so I can give you the results just as we get into this. So more than 50% say <coughs> daily. And quite a few people say every few days, so that's quite encouraging, anyway. So let, let's get let's get into this subject uh, in more detail because it it, it was it, it is a book that Muslims who who are believers that the Holy Quran is the holy book of our religion in which God Almighty Himself has spoken to us. Very different to some of the other religions where you see in, in maybe Christianity, sometimes they say it was an inspiration or uh, I was inspired to write this. So what we're saying here, and we believe that this book, the Holy Quran, was is actually the word of God. So when you hold it in your hands, these are words that God has literally given to mankind and they're spoken words. And and this is why people get really upset when we had this incident. This is one of the reasons why we're, we're talking about this, because recently the Holy Quran was burnt in public in Sweden. And there was lots and lots of discussions on the scriptures. That's one of the reasons why we're talking about it. Does, you know when people read it, hold it? Literally, isn't it just the words that God Almighty has said? Yeah, the thing is that um, you know these these type of incidences. Why 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 do they happen? Is that uh, people do not understand the message of God Almighty. They do not turn to to try to understand the message, and because of the misunderstandings and because of the behavior of the people who apparently, or, or who claim to be um, the ones who should be following the teachings of the Holy, Holy mm. Quran, because they have misunderstood the teachings of the Holy, Holy Quran, and their certain actions which they take, they, uh, they, these people, they take that this is coming from the Holy Quran. And that is why they, they show, this is sight of showing their hatred, against the teachings of the Holy Quran, mm. whereas in fact, those people who have come, and I can give you some of the examples that people who were extremely against the against Islam, against the, the, yeah. the Holy Quran, against the Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, when they have changed their attitude, they have studied the life of the Holy Prophet, Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, when they have taken sort of the, made the effort to try to understand the message yeah. of the Holy Quran, they have taken a 180 degree turn and they have, they are the ones who are praising the teachings of the Holy Quran and they are the ones who are, who have become the biggest fans of the, the personality of the Holy yeah. Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. This is mainly, this is the misunderstanding and um, sort of prejudice against without knowing, without, you know, if you, you don't know somebody and uh, and just by listening to what people, other people are saying about him, you develop a hatred for him. This is an example of uh, being sort of, um, uh, you can say, being irresponsible. Uh, and... Uh, and you can see this is even uh, against even the basic uh, morals that uh, you know you you try to uh, to sort of show your hatred against something which is very close very very uh, sort of um, 
close to the hearts of uh, a large number of people yeah. believe in it. Yeah. So, so mainly it is the misunderstanding. When you come, when you read it, when you and try to understand the message, and, and and I think at this stage one should be very clear to say that the purpose of God Almighty prophesizing our giving giving a promise to to the holy prophet of Islam, Prophet Muhammad, may peace be and blessings of Allah be upon him. He was very clearly, and, and he said that in his traditions, that people who are in my time, this is the best time, when people are following the teachings of the Holy Quran, but people will go away from the teachings of the Holy Quran, and uh, a time will come which will be a, a period of darkness. And in that period of darkness, uh, one person will be sent by God Almighty. He will be appointed by God Almighty, mm. who will come to revive these teachings, the true teachings of Islam. Yeah. Because why he will come? Because people will be interpreting it differently, and there will be a lot of differences, and that is why they will be um, divided into so many different sects. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's very interesting you say that, and that's one of the things we talk about, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, yeah. because our founder, the Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed of Qadiyan, who is the promised Messiah, who we believe is the Imam Mahdi, was that person who came to revive the, the religion Islam, as you've just explained. And he is the only one who has claimed, you know, yeah. nobody else has, has claimed that he is the same Imam Mahdi, same who was prophesied by the Holy Prophet, Prophet Muhammad, may peace be upon him. And he is the one who has done that job which was uh, uh, given to him, and that was to explain the true teachings of the Holy Quran and interpret it correctly. Yeah. Uh, and it is out of this, those misunderstandings that these people are, you know, uh, fighting or terrorism or they, they take it out of, you know, the the yeah. misconceptions or about jihad or using the term jihad in a, in a bad sense. Um, yeah. He's the one who has clarified that, that in this time and, um, and age, this is... Uh, according to the to the teachings of the Holy Prophet of Islam, um, the jihad, uh, the war with with sword or uh, with physical weapons is forbidden at this time. It is uh, you have to convey the message through the Holy Quran, yeah. through the teachings, to acting upon the teachings of the Holy Quran. You can convey the message because the one who acted the best on the teachings of the Holy Quran was the Prophet. Himself, may uh, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And he is the example. Just, just read through his life. And, and, and I, I remember just w one quotation by somebody who is a non-Muslim. Non yeah. And he says that, okay, forget about everything else what he did. But, you know, do, do you, why do you forget that when he conquered Mecca, he came back after so many years of, uh, you know, uh, being away from his country. He was, he was thrown away from his own hometown. And the people, they had killed his men and women, and they had uh, uh, committed all sorts of atrocities against his followers. And and this was the time when he could, take, could have taken a revenge. Yeah. But what did he do? He said, okay, you are all forgiven. You know, there is, and he, he gave no yeah. punishment to yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. And, and there's a whole wonderful uh, epilogue that we could describe of that moment. But it, and I love the way you explain that because the reasoning why he was that way was because of the teachings the of what's Quran. in the Holy Quran, Absolutely. right? And, and that was, and that's, we'll pick that up actually on, on another time. But 
And also, this also relates, because we're talking about what happened in public in Sweden when they uh, burnt the Holy Scriptures and there was such outcry in so many different countries around the world, which kind of depicted in a way that we would have done it as as an Ahmadi Muslim community. Because if you think of the subject that we spoke about in the first hour about patience, that's right. another thing that uh, God Almighty teaches us uh, in, in the Holy Texas, the teacher's patience, even in these harmful times, because people were really hurt, but showing patience. So this is one of the reasons why we're talking about this today uh, is so that we can talk about the the content of the Holy Quran and how it has been preserved meticulously and God says in the Holy Quran that in in chapter 2 verse 3 it says this is a perfect book there is no doubt in it it is a guidance for the righteous now when you describe that moment when our Holy Prophet Muhammad may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him returned to Mecca where many people who were there were thought well this is the end of us but actually, they were all forgiven. Uh, they were asked to those people who stood behind the flag of Hazrat Bilal, who was tortured so so powerfully, hurtfully. But he said, you'll find security uh, with his banner. Well, that is just one example. I mean, that's just... We want to delve into this more detail, but keep on listening because we're going to go back and have a look at the Holy Scriptures and why it was preserved and how it was preserved and what were the reasonings be- behind it because the Holy Quran, it says in, in, in the compliance of, of a verbal revelation that the Holy Prophet Muhammad may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. It, it was revealed over 23 years. That's a long yeah. time. And it wasn't just done in one in one go. It was done in certain times of what the teachings were required at that, at that time. And one of the things I know we're, today we're talking about, and we have discussed this subject in, with this war with Ukraine and with Russia's invasion of, of Ukraine. And this whole idea that the persecution of was what was done, the war and atrocities against the Muslims. So although the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessing be upon him, had to flee to Medina, but the Meccans still pursued him. But they still didn't go to war until the instructions were given as the Quran was revealed. So it was the time and place for it. Yeah, definitely. I think yeah. so. we can carry on the discussion. Or you have our first guest yeah, uh, let's online, do that. Um, uh, who's uh, Mr. Imam Farhan Iqbal, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, he is uh, one of our missionaries of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community uh, based in Canada. Um, so we welcome him to our show today. And uh, assalamu alaikum. Peace be on you, uh, Farhan. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. Thank you for having me. Zakallah. Thank you for joining us this afternoon uh, when we are t- talking about uh, the Holy Quran, which is a book so uh, dear to us. So uh, my first question would be to you, um, the Holy Quran was revealed a long time ago. So what makes us sure that the text we have today is the same as it was in 632 AD? Well, there is a lot of uh, evidence when it comes to the Holy Quran and the fact that it has been well-preserved, in fact, perfectly preserved. There have been recent discoveries like the Birmingham Manuscript, which show that uh, the Quran 1400 years ago is the same one that we read today. And uh, in the commentary um, of uh, certain verses of the Holy Quran, which talk about this preservation, so there's a verse of the Holy Quran that talks about how the Quran would be well-preserved. 
in the commentary of that verse, uh, Hazrat Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmud Ahmed, may Allah be pleased with him, uh, who was the second caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, he talks about how the Quran uh, was preserved. And so there are a number of things. And ju- just to name a few, uh, basically, uh, one of the ways in which the Quran was preserved perfectly was the fact uh, that uh, people at that time, the companions of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, وسلم, were memorizing the Holy Quran from cover to cover. That itself is quite unique. I mean, that alone uh, should tell us why and how the Quran was perfectly preserved because this is the only book in the world that is uh, memorized and was memorized and has been memorized in the last 1400 years by millions of people uh, starting from the time of the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him. Uh, then there are other things like the rhythm of the Quran is very sweet and easy to memorize in full parts. Um, the recitation of the Quran was made obligatory in our Salat. So whatever we recite in the Salat today was being recited since the earliest days of the revelation of the Quran. Um, God created love in the hearts of the people to recite it regularly. It was a very enjoyable experience to recite the Quran on a daily basis. So, you know, these are just to name a few. Uh, There's so many other ways in which the Quran was perfectly preserved. It is the same book that we have uh, today uh, that was revealed to the Prophet Muhammad. Peace and blessings of God be upon him. Um, so you you mentioned a few, but I I think that there's initially they were they were and they still are there the people who are, you know, taking it, uh, uh, memorizing it and keeping it to their memory. Um, there are quite a few people who still even today they do they do that, and uh, apart from that, of course, uh, there there were other ways as well. And how, if you could just let us know. <laughs> How the <coughs> sorry the Holy Prophet may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him himself made sure that the the Holy Quran is preserved in in its original form. Yes. Yeah, so uh, other than the memorization of the Quran, which is something that the Holy Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam peace and blessings of God be upon him himself, uh, you know, committed the Quran to memory. His companions committed the Quran to memory. There were also many other companions. Uh, who had the responsibility of writing down the revelation of the Holy Quran. It is narrated that إِذَا نَزَلَ عَلَيْهِ شَيْنٌ مَنْ which means that whenever a verse was revealed, the Holy Prophet, uh, peace and blessings of God be upon him, would call one of the subscribes, one of the people who could, one of his companions who could write uh, down the verses of the Holy Quran, and uh, they would write it down. Uh, so this means that there were many scribes available uh, to the Prophet at that time. And, uh, you know, the second caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, whom I quoted earlier, he gives a list of 15 uh, well-known scribes. And there are other, uh, there's other research done uh, by scholars of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, and they mention how it's the, the number, actual number of companions could have been 28 Right, and and there are some who even place the number at as forty. So a significant number of companions who could write were being asked from the earliest days to write down uh, portions uh, whenever it was uh, the, a portion of the Quran was revealed. They were asked to write it down. So not only was the Quran being memorized in in full, it was also being written down in full. And then, of course, after the demise of uh, the Prophet. 
during the time of Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, may Allah be pleased with him, uh, the, it was decided that the Quran should be published uh, in in a book form. So it was the first volume. It is known as Masafe Um, the first volume of the Holy Quran, mm. uh, which was uh, published in written form. So. Again, at that time, there were hundreds, in fact, thousands of uh, companions who had already memorized it. But uh, during the time of Hazrat Abu Bakr, we also now have a one complete manuscript or mm. volume of the Quran that was uh, that was published. Yeah, amazing. I mean, I assume as the religion Islam at that time progressed across the globe, it was also important for that book then to be duplicated and sent as Islam progressed as well. Right. So, it, you know, as Islam progressed during the time of Hazrat Usman, anhu, may Allah be pleased with him, uh, there was a, you know, a need felt that there are so many uh, non-Arab, uh, you know, new converts mm. to Islam. And so he had a standardized publication that was sent to different parts of the Muslim empire. And he sent a qari with the, with the manuscript. So he would, he would send uh, an expert reciter so that he, he could make sure that it is being recited in the proper way mm. by all these new converts in different parts of the Muslim empire. And so there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of effort uh, put into uh, preserving uh, the perfect form of the Holy Quran yeah. so that there's no deviation from it, yeah. I mean, I, people talk about that the message of all religions is similar. You know, don't lie, don't steal don't kill your brother, all these kind of common sense things that we kind of agree to and make sense. But they, the question that I want to ask you is that are all kind of religions, are they similar? But what makes the Holy Quran distinct from all other scriptures? Yeah, so the Holy Quran is uh, distinct, and, and, and I'll answer this in a moment. For those of you who are listening who would like to read this uh, history of the preservation of the Holy Quran in more detail, there's an article on alislam.org where this is discussed in more detail. Of course, right now we're discussing it in a, in a very brief form. Yep. If you are interested in more detail, you can go to alislam.org and, and get that article on the preservation. Now, this question that you asked, I, I, I would like to uh, go back to. Again, the website, alislam.org, yep. there's a book by Hazrat Mizar Tahir Ahmed, Allah Ta'ala, may God be pleased with him. Uh, it's called Some Distinctive Features of Islam. And he d- talks about how Islam is a, is a unique faith as compared to other. Uh, one of those uh, ways in which the Quran is unique is the fact that it takes all the good teachings that were given to different prophets at different times and collects them. Um, so, yes, do not lie, do not commit adultery, you know, do not, uh, all these things are very common in, in, in different religions. Yeah. But what Islam has done, it has comprehensively brought everything together. So, uh, to give this a little bit more detail, in the history of religion, uh, different prophets came to different parts of the world. And so their teachings were kind of uh, focused on their region and appropriate for their time. But when Islam came, it, it, it is basically a universal teaching applicable for all people uh, across all time. So, you know, there are many examples of this. I'm not sure if we have the time to discuss, but there are many examples that illustrate yep. how the Quran has done this. 
Well, well give give one example. Let, let, let's let's just give our so, listeners a little bit more detail. Yeah. So the Quran, for instance, what it has done is, for instance, during the time of Prophet Moses, peace be upon him, uh, the teaching was given that an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, tooth yeah. and it had that it had that harshness, you know, quote unquote, strictness rather, uh, you know, in those teachings because those people were facing the Pharaoh and they were, you know, subjugated and they were living as slaves. And just to harden them up a little bit, to, just to, for, to enable them to stand up and, and uh, have their own identity, uh, they were given these teachings to be a little bit strict so that they could, they could build an identity. Uh, so it, given that context, that teaching was beautiful. It was meant for them. It, was, it worked for them, and it uh, really helped them uh, pull themselves out of slavery. Yeah. Now, when Jesus Christ, uh, peace be upon him, came, his teaching was more of an emphasis on the uh, forgiveness and, you know, to, to turn the other cheek, for instance, turn the other cheek. So there was an emphasis on, on forgiveness because uh, people had become, the Jewish people, especially certain sects among the Jewish people, had become very, very strict. So he wanted to uh, emphasize, not he, but, you know, God, uh, through Jesus Christ, emphasized uh, forgiveness uh, a little more. So th- th- there's a slight variation there. So if you compare the two te- teachings, you, you would be like, well, there's a big difference here. But it's not a difference uh, in the sense of a contradiction. It's a difference in the sense of the need of the time. Right. But the Quran uh, has actually combined those two teachings and said uh, the, the recompense of an injury is, an in- is equal to it. Right? Which means that if you have to give a punishment, uh, give the same amount of punishment that was, that, was, uh, that was appropriate or that is equal to the crime. However, if you forgive and it causes a change or reformation, then that would be better. So the Quran has kind of balanced the two teachings mm-hmm. and it said, if you, if you punish, uh, if, if you, uh, only go ahead and punish if that is better. If you, if you believe that the criminal is not going to change his ways. But forgive... Uh, in the cases where you believe that the criminal is going to change and reform themselves. So in those cases, you can forgive as well. So it's it kind of puts the two teachings yeah. together. I mean, that's a, a fantastic example because it kind of answered my last question for you was that in, in the Articles of Faith, that there are many, but one of them says that we believe in all books of God. Well, that is an explanation as to why we would believe in the Torah, Injil, and the Quran, because they kind of all work in sync with one another, and where the Quran takes some of the teachings to another level. Is that is that why? Is that the answer then? Yes, that is the answer. Uh, we believe in these books, we believe in the Torah, Injil, and we believe that may, perhaps other prophets came who had their own teachings, because we, according to the Quran, وَلِكُلِّ قَوْمٍ had every nation had a guide, every nation had a prophet, and so those prophets brought those teachings. So we, we believe that all those teachings came from God Almighty. There are large portions of the Quran which speak about how any prophet who came was told to tell the people to believe in the one God. So everybody, all the prophets came and they brought the same teaching. So that's part of our belief system that we, we don't look at other other religions as or religious people as inferior. Yeah. We believe that they they were also given a message from God uh, at some point in yeah. the past. 
Fantastic. Well, thank you very much uh, for your time. I really appreciate everything that you've kind of explained to us, Imam Farhan Iqbal, all the way from Canada. And that's the other beauty, isn't it? You're from Canada. We have another guest from Ireland next. The message and the teachings are all the same, exactly like the Quran has spread all over the world. And for all these hundreds and hundreds of years, there's been no change. And as the proof of it is the Quran uh, that was found in, in Birmingham, United Kingdom. So thank you very much for your time and your insight into this subject. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're most welcome. So, so uh, some of the people, when they talk about the Quran, they always talk about that, you know, there's this allegation against the Holy Quran that it was plagiarized from other holy texts. But plagiarism is a very different thing as, as to copy and with I learned that, I'm gonna take another teaching, I'm gonna progress it. It's like when we write stories, when we see movies and, and films, or when we look at advertising, we learn something from something else and then we develop it and come up with a new idea, right? Mm -hmm. So there is this kind of concept that that's what happens. But what we wanted to do was talk to our guest about this kind of allegation idea. So we're really lucky to have Imam Adar Rahman Khalid who who is actually no stranger to Voice of Islam uh, radio, because we said earlier that we'd be doing it for seven years. So it's, it's wonderful to be able to talk to Adarabhan Khalid, a missionary, all the way in Ireland to talk about this subject. Thank you very much for joining us today, and welcome to the Drive Time Show. We, we were asking you this question um, about, you know, are, are there many... There are many allegations against the Holy Quran, such as it was plagiarized from other holy texts. What, what would be your response to this? And, and the reason why I want to ask you this question, because you're from Ireland, and we know it's a very strong Christian country, and then these are from where some of the kind of allegations do come from. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, this is this is actually not a new allegation. Yeah, okay. Um, th this is a, an old allegation which was leveled against the Holy Prophet, uh, peace be upon him, in his very life. In fact, even, you know, it's mentioned in the Holy Quran itself, and the Holy Quran refutes these allegations. So, for for example, uh, in Surah Nahal, chapter 16, verse 104, it mentions how, um, and indeed we know that they say that it is only a man who teaches him, but the tongue of him to whom they unjustly incline in making this insinuation is foreign while this is our Arabic tongue, plain and clear. So one of the allegations which was leveled uh, in the very life of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, when he was still in Mecca, he had not migrated to Medina, yeah. was that a single individual was teaching him. Um, the, the Holy Quran, who was well-versed with the Bible, and so he was learning from him and he was writing up uh, the, the Holy Quran. And uh, very beautifully, um, Allah the Almighty himself responds to this allegation by comparing the two that this person they say who's teaching him is uh, a non-Arab and when you look at the, the uh, language of the Holy Quran it's a beautiful language um, very very deep and very mm -hmm. insightful on the other hand the allegation which is mentioned in the Holy Quran which was again from the time of the Holy Prophet Wasallam is mentioned in Surah Al-Furqan, chapter 25, and this is verses 5 to 7. And so, where in Surah Nahal, it mentions that a single person 
was teaching him. This allegation was where the Arabs were uh, alleging that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, um, uh, after the conversion of certain Christians and Jews, they would secretly teach him um, passages of the Bible or stories of the prophets uh, in secrecy. Um, you know, for example, when in the early period, um, the, the Holy Prophet wasallam was only preaching to his uh, close relatives uh, and they were in hiding and they would uh, spend a lot of time in Dari Arkham. They would meet there in the morning and evening for prayers. And so the, the verses read, and those who disbelieve say, it is not but a lie which he has forged and other people have, have helped him with it. Indeed, they have brought forth an injustice and an untruth. So the Holy Quran declares that to say that it's a lie and it's fabricated, a fabrication is itself false, because in, elsewhere in the Holy Quran it mentions that they are, they were aware of this man as being the the most truthful, and who had never lied, and so mm. this this was an injustice that was leveled against him, and so it goes on to say, and they say these are fables of the ancients, and he has got them written down, and they are dedi- uh, dictated to him morning and evening. Say he who knows every secret that is in the heavens and the earth has revealed it. Verily, he is most forgiving, merciful. So the way the Holy Quran has dismissed this allegation is it says it's very clear that any any uh, person with the right mind who studies the Holy Quran, they will be very quickly able to see that the Holy Quran is not a uh, a book of stories of the past. In fact, it is filled with uh, truths, absolute mm. truths. And it's filled with uh, verities and it's filled with uh, prophecies, magnificent prophecies which we've seen the fulfillment of. And so um, these were the allegations which were already present. And then if we look at it from another angle, let's look at it uh, if we compare the, the, the teaching of the Bible and the teaching that's in the Holy Quran. Yeah. It's clear for everyone to see that as a, um, you know, they, they go, uh, they're at loggerheads. It's the complete opposite. We see the Holy Quran stresses on the absolute unity of God. However, we find that the majority of the followers of the Bible, they claim that it presents a concept of Trinity. And then when we yeah. study the Bible, we see that it, it does not deem the prophets of God to be innocent and free from sin. It makes all kinds of foul allegations against their very person. For example, lying and having committed indecency, etc. Yeah. But we, when we look at the Holy Quran, it exonerates all the prophets from all such allegations. And it acknowledges the fact that although they were human, they were human beings, but they were free from sin. Yeah. I and mean, then, you mentioned, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah so, I mean, there's, there's, there's so many things that can be mentioned, but just to finish, um, I, I can say that on the other hand, you find that the Holy Quran has challenged. You know, if people uh, uh, feel that uh, the Holy Quran was written by the Holy Prophet wasallam with the help of other people, then the Holy Quran itself challenges such people that the whole of mankind can come together and produce the like thereof, yeah. and they will fail. 
So this is an open challenge which is mentioned in the Holy Quran yeah. in various places. Yeah, and obviously that challenge is is now, today as well. Uh, you mentioned earlier in, in your answer to the previous question about there are so many truths for the uh, what's happened, what's now, what's for the future. I mean, what... Why is the Quran so relevant today? You know, what what makes it? Because it was revealed centuries ago, but how is it relevant today? What what is it going to teach us? What things are we seeing today that are very clear in in the Quran? Uh, so uh, you're absolutely right. The Holy Quran is still relevant today, as it was when it was revealed uh, over fourteen hundred years ago. Um, you know, you can take different teachings of the Holy Quran, which are of absolute benefit. Um, and, it, it, you know, if the world leaders were, uh, you know, to benefit from them, we could, you know, the whole world could benefit, um, you know, in terms of establishing world peace. On the other hand, you know, we see the disparity with the current financial system. We see the disparity between the, the, the rich and the poor. And this is increasingly, you know, um, getting bigger and bigger. Um, and, you know, His Holiness, Hazrat uh, Mirza Masroor Ahmed, the current worldwide head of the Amdi Muslim community, in his addresses to parliamentarians and world leaders, he's talked about these, these uh, teachings of the Holy Quran, which are so relevant today. For example, particularly regarding this financial system, the Holy Quran mentions the, 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 the harms of this whole financial system, which is, you know, standing on interest. And we see from time to time the financial crisis, and uh, as I say, I said the growing gap between the rich and the poor. And uh, the Holy Quran actually presents a beautiful teaching on on how things can run without there being interest. And then I mentioned uh, establishing absolute justice. Again, His Holiness has highlighted this teaching of the Holy Quran um, to people of power. That today we see so much conflict in the world. And if we look at our history, you know, we had uh, the World War One, uh, you know, massive loss of human life, yeah. uh, as a result of which, you know, the League of Nations was established. But because these are, you know, all the, um, you know, the plans are made by humans, they're bound to have flaws. And so the League of Nations failed and it resulted in the Second World War, which led to over 75 million people you know, globally losing their lives. And then the United Nations was formed uh, after World War II uh, in order to establish peace, in, in order to save humanity from, you know, facing such a destruction and devastation. But we see, yeah. you know, various governments from time to time, they criticize the United Nations. Um, and and this, this shows that this has also failed. So when we look at the Quranic teaching, we realize that it's a universal teaching and it's so relevant today um, on, on, on establishing world peace and, uh, you know, um, equality and justice. So, for example, the Holy Quran has declared that all people are equal, regardless of their race and color. So, you know, God recognizes that we have different races and colors and nationalities. That is just for recognition. But um, there, there is, there is, there, all people are still equal. But we see, you know, this very united nations within it. Um, there's, there's a division and separation between the powerful nations and the weaker nations. Uh, for example, the Security Council has permanent members and non-permanent members, and this becomes an internal source of frustration and anxiety. Yeah. And then uh, the Holy Quran commands that everyone should be treated equally with absolute justice and equality. Uh, 
And even if uh, someone is treating you with uh, breaking all the boundaries of, um, you know, hatred and um, they're treating you with hatred and enmity, you should still treat them with absolute justice. And then, you know, it, it guides us how, you know, when treating, when, when you know, um, going in, you know, to help nations, you shouldn't usurp their wealth. You should not look with envious eyes at the, you know, wealth and the resources of other countries. And you should not go in there with the pretext, pretext under the pretext, false pretext of helping them and then start looting them of their resources. So all this guidance is there and we see in the world today um, on, on uh, an international scale, mm. these are all the problems which are leading to, 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 to these problems. Yeah. And even in the case of this Ukrainian world war, we see that the Holy Quran gives beautiful guidance in what, what is the role of other nations. So you see um, two nations are, are fighting there's a dispute, and what is the role of other nations? So this, all this teaching is there, and not just international, but at a national scale, at an individual scale. Um, you have, you know, in the Holy Quran, teaching about the <laughs> crime and punishment. There, there's so much in the Holy Quran from which we can benefit today. Um, thank you very much for uh, such a uh, detailed answer. Now, one thing is that, you know, that uh, we do need to raise awareness of the two contents of the Holy Quran because, yeah. you know, the incidences like the recent Quran burning, they keep happening. And, and the main reason is lack of awareness of the two contents of the, ho the Holy Book. Uh, what do you think should be done about, uh, um, you know, increasing this awareness? Well, well, firstly, I, I would like to say that whenever such incidents happen, mm. uh, the guidance of uh, Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmed, the worldwide head, head of the Amdi Muslim community, has always been uh, to not to retaliate, right? Not to, you know, uh, follow uh, their examples of such people who, uh, with such acts, create, you know, disorder and, and uh, build mistrust and, you know, uh, break these bridges of uniting people of different beliefs and different backgrounds. So uh, the guidance has always been to, you know, educate people, to, to have dialogue. And this is what the Amdiya Muslim uh, community continues to do. So it's, it's our job to tell people about what the Holy Quran is. And that's why we hold so many exhibitions of the Holy Quran. We have open days at our mosques to, and invite our neighbors and friends in to come and look and see for themselves. And we we openly, you know, um, uh, readily accept people's questions and their allegations, uh, you know, which are which are done in a peaceful manner, and we, we we are ready to answer their questions. And so this is this is what's important. And of course, at the same time, for Muslims, for all Muslims, it's important to, you know, act upon the beautiful teaching of the Holy Quran. It's through our example that we can dismiss these fears, these, uh, you know, uh, in some cases justified, where, where, where you see some Muslims, so-called Muslims, they uh, commit atrocities. But it becomes the, the, the duty and the role of uh, each and every Muslim to truly follow uh, the, the teaching of Islam and this, this, this beautiful book of the mm -hmm. Holy Quran, which is a te teaching of peace, which is a teaching of love, which is a teaching, a teaching of you know, freedom of religion and free, freedom of faith. So um, this is this is how I would respond to that. 
Well, thank you very much uh, for that. Um, just wanted to ask you, um, how are things over in Ireland as well since uh, you've been there? I mean, you, you, you were here as a presenter on Voice of Islam Radio right at the beginnings. You, you, you've now moved over there. It, what's, the, what's the kind of mood over there at the moment with the cost of living uh, crisis and, and everything else? There must be some great opportunities there for you to engage with people, you know, giving examples of the Holy Quran, of what it teaches and makes it relevant today. Yeah. I mean, um, in Ireland, uh, uh, obviously things are, are quite different from the UK. Yeah. But in terms of the cost of living and stuff, I mean, there's, there's certain challenges people are facing here. There's a housing crisis, and then on top of it, uh, Brexit hasn't really helped much with things mm. in Ireland. So, so costs are going up, bills are rising with, with the whole Ukraine issue as well. Um, but, I mean, um, since coming out of the COVID, things have opened up, and... Yeah. We, we are having opportunities to engage with people. Uh, we've held like a, 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 a interfaith yeah. uh, gathering at Mary Mosque in Galway, yeah. where we invited neighbors and friends, and they came in, and you know they were able to um, look at the Holy Quran exhibition. You know what we're discussing today, and mm. uh, ask questions, and you know we were able to remove misconceptions, and of course we're. Every week we're out on, on um, you know in the in the city, yeah, uh, handing out flyers and stuff to to remove these misconceptions. And you know when I meet different Christian um, um, friends and you know lo- locals of Ireland, um, th- these these allegations, these questions do come up. Mm. And uh, yeah, we're always here to to answer these questions. Yeah, it's great. I mean, this is this is the thing, isn't it? This is one of the really interesting, not interesting, sad thing is that this burning of the Holy Quran that that took place, it is down to misunderstanding, isn't it? It's it's down to not understanding and probably the misinformation that people are now feeling because when you talk about Muslims who are, are around the world behaving in certain ways, you think, well, they must be reading the Quran. Is it in the Quran that makes them do this? It's not, obviously. Mm, of course, of course. Yeah, well, anyway, thank you very much uh, for your time, Imam Muttar Rahman Khalid. Really pleased to, to talk to you again and have a little bit of a catch-up at the end there. And we wish you the the best of luck. And may Allah be with you and all the efforts that you're doing. And, and we pray for the Jamaat of Ireland as well. And please remember us and your thoughts as well while you're there. Thank you. Okay, thank you for having me. As-salamu alaykum. So that was um, Atarman Rahman Khalid, who's a missionary of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in Ireland. And it was really interesting with what he said about, you know, the, the allegations. Actually, they started from day one, right at the beginning, didn't they, Doug Sub? So look, we've come to the top of the hour, and I think we'll just end with a with a couple of words in 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 that you know, in, instead of people looking at the Quran and feel that they should be they should burn it because it's it's completely the wrong thing but actually what people should realize is that they should just find out go to these exhibitions that happen at various mosques and understand so we can understand and and therefore not then disrespect any of the holy texts regardless of what religion they are because we as muslims we believe in all religions you you cannot be 
uh, a Muslim without believing in all the Abrahamic faiths, and they've all had their religious books. So it is really important that we follow this. I mean, we believe that since the Holy Quran is the final law brought to the world, it is the best kept and most complete text. And there are similarities across religions and their teachings, since they've all come from the same God, yet the Holy Quran is distinct due to God himself announcing that it's its own guardian. And with this, I will like to end the show. And thank you very much, Dr. Sub, for your insight into the both subjects. It's been a pleasure presenting this um, show with you. And so, our producers. Yeah, and uh, thank you very much uh, for our producers, Pfizer Huck, for the show on the one we've just been speaking about. And obviously, for the first show, I'd like to say thank you to our producer, Hania Mubarak, um, who also did the show on childhood cancer. And if you like what, anything you hear, you can catch this on SoundCloud. But for now, here's the news.